Welcome to the Mini Crisis, brought to you by the Tales of Crisis podcast. Welcome to the first episode in the Mini Crisis series. This is going to be a series focusing on specific elements of the Marvel Crisis Protocol game. In the first episode, we are focusing on power. Power is one of the most fundamental elements of the game. And for me, it's what defines it. It's the mechanic that makes the game great. So what is power? Power is a resource and as with all resources in games there is an element of resource management. On the tabletop power is represented by tokens. In the box set you will get two types. You will get a smaller token that is worth one power and a large token that is worth three power. In the character box sets as well you will also get tokens to represent power. The most power any character can have is 10. If you were to get more than 10 power at any point that additional power is lost. You can never have minus power either. The least you can have is always zero. Being able to decide when to use power and when not to use power, the whole resource management around power is one of the key fundamentals to the game and it's really what sets the great players apart. So how do you get power? There are four main ways you can get power. The first is in the power phase. Marvel Crisis Protocol is a game that is played over a number of rounds, normally to a limit of six. And within each round, there are three phases. The first of these three phases is the power phase. Within the power phase, each character that is not being knocked out receives one power. Obviously, if they're already on 10, then they'll lose that power. In addition to this, some characters gain additional power. For example, as Guardians will get one additional power, Hulk and She-Hulk get additional power, and you'll also get one additional power per gem the character has. So for example, if you have Corvus with a gem, he will get an additional power. If you have Thanos with two gems, he'll get two additional power, leaving him on three power for that phase. There are also ways in which you will lose power. So an example of this is poison. So if your character has the poison status token on it, then it loses one power in the power phase. And there are other rules that will affect power. Another example is stun, where if you were to gain more than one power, you only gain one power. Less effective in the power phase, but later on in the game, you'll see how that can affect it. Another way you can gain power is by doing attacks. So, majority of characters have got a, an attack that we call a builder and an attack we call a spender. Some have more, some have less, but in general they tend to have one of, one of each. A builder attack is named because that is an attack where it has a rule that you gain power per damage. So for a lot of the attacks, strike being the biggest example, It will say, after the attack is resolved, 
this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. So this is a good way for increasing the amount of power on a character because when you do those attacks, if you do some damage, you will gain power yourself. Notice I mentioned there was builders and spenders. A spender we'll talk about more later, but this is an attack where you spend your power. Other ways in which you can gain power through attacks is some attacks will have a sap power rule. And in that instance, depending on the rule, generally you will not only gain power from a particular set of situations, but your opponent loses it. So you're taking the power off them. This is normally on a wild. So for each wild you roll, you would gain a power and they would lose it. If they don't have a power to take, you don't get the power for it. An example of this is Enchantress. On a wild, it says before damage is dealt, the character loses one power for each wild in the attack roll, and this character gains that amount of power. Now it's very important that it says before damage is dealt, because as you'll see later on, you gain power from damage. So again, this is where you've got to make sure you read the rules clearly and make sure you understand the order in which things happen. Some things to be aware of. Firstly, we mentioned before stun. If you have the stun condition on you, then you will only gain one power. So even if you were to do five damage, you would only gain the single power from it. And also where you do damage, but the opposing character that you're doing the damage to becomes dazed, say you roll your result and you've done three damage, but they've only got one damage left before they become dazed, as you only actually do the one damage to that character, you only gain the one power. The third main way to gain power, I've just touched on it, is taking damage. Whenever a character suffers damage as a result of an enemy effect, that character gains power equal to the amount of damage suffered. And thematically, this is to represent the character drawing on their anger, determination or dogged resolve to strike back and win the fight, which I really like. But its key part of that rule is enemy effect. So that includes not just attacks, but it will also include damage taken from being thrown or something being thrown into you. However, what it does not include is special conditions, a perfect example being bleed. When you take damage from bleed, you do not gain power. There's also crisis. In some crisis, you will take damage, for example, gamma waves, because that is not an enemy effect and you will not receive power. In others, you will take damage and receive power. A good example of this would be struggle for the cube. Doesn't say one way or the other, you're not gaining power from it because it's not an enemy effect. Last but by no means least, we also can gain power from affiliation bonuses. So a good example of this will be A-Force, where you gain power when an allied character is damaged by an enemy effect. So on your team, when one of your characters takes damage from an enemy effect, they will get their power as normal. So depending on how much damage they took, they will therefore get that much power. However, one other character on the team may gain a single power from the leadership ability once the other one takes the damage. So that's one example. Other examples would be Brotherhood, Cabal, Inhumans, 
and I'm sure there will be others as we go through. Now you know how to get power, what can you do with the power that you have? So there's a number of ways in which you spend the power. First and obvious one is, as we mentioned before, spenders. So certain attacks that your character will have, and these are the, the attacks are on the top right quarter, generally, of the character cards. That's where you'll find them. And the first one tends to be the builder, and that doesn't cost you any power, but generally gains you power. Then as you go down, you'll notice that some of the ones near the bottom will cost power, and these tend to be what we call the spenders. So you're spending power to do either a more powerful attack or an attack with more special rules or an attack that perhaps has a throw or a push associated to it. These are what we call the spenders. So that's one thing you can spend your power on. Another thing you can spend your power on is superpowers. Some characters' superpowers come for free and are zero power and innate superpowers don't cost anything. Those are the ones with the infinity symbol and they're the ones that are on all the time. However, active and reactive superpowers generally cost power. So again, you need to make sure that you've got enough power in order to be able to activate those. Another way in which to spend power is your team tactics cards. Again, generally these will cost power. There are some that are for free, but the majority will cost power. One thing to be aware of for both Team Tactics cards and Superpowers is you may get one that costs power X. So this generally means that depending on how much power you spend will depend on how much effect it has. An example of this would be Modok and his superpower P-Brain. Modok's genius is infinite. Here the power cost is X and this is dependent on how many dice you wish to re-roll. So the superpower allows the character to re-roll X number of dice depending on how much power. So if you want to re-roll four dice, you would have to spend four power. If you just need to re-roll one dice, you would just spend the single power. You also get some cards that don't use the X, but say you can spend up to. So a good example of this is advanced R&D where it says a character may spend up to five power to play this card. Then choose a number of allied characters equal to the power spent and each character gains one power. So this is a good way to pass power around. Another way in which you spend power is interacting with crisis. So when you interact with a crisis, it costs one power. So this is very important. This does not count as an action. However, it does cost you a power. So that's how you gain and how you spend power. Pretty simple. The key to the game though is effectively managing power as a resource. You have to be able to look across and work out when you're going to need power for certain things. A great example of this and one that I often struggle with is the Team Tactics card Field Dressing. Now the Field Dressing Team Tactics card is a character within range 2 of a dazed allied character may spend 4 power to play the card. Remove the dazed token and 1 damage from the allied character. And this can be an extremely powerful card. If you have a character who has been dazed and has not yet activated, your opponent might then ignore that character. If you are then able to get to that character and undaze them, remove the dazed character, not only could they activate, but they could then swing the, the, the battle, they could be stood on a crisis and score that crisis. There's multiple things that could happen there. 
However, the key here is to make sure that you have a character who's got full power to play the card. I'm often sat there thinking, I've got field dressing, I've got a character within two, that's okay, I can activate them and do something, and then we get to the point and actually I've spent power somewhere else for a different reason and I no longer have enough power. Or you've got Kingpin stood next to somebody who's been dazed, they're going to take enough damage to get them onto full power, great, you can use that, but actually you then decide, I'm going to spend, use his uh, special ability to spend a power and reduce the amount of damage. That could then take you under the four, which would mean you wouldn't then be able to play field dressing. On the face of it, it seems like a good idea, reduce the amount of damage that Kingpin's going to take, but actually in the wider piece, taking that one extra damage might not make the difference, but it would allow you then to play the card field dressing. So this is something to be aware of across the piece. Always be aware of how much power your characters have got. And if you want your character to do something, make sure that they've either got enough power or they've got an ability to get them the power to do what you need to do. It sounds obvious, but in the heat of battle, it can easily be forgotten. As mentioned, there are other ways in which you can have power taken from you, for example, sap power. So always be aware of that as well. There's nothing more frustrating than being in a situation where you're about to go. You know exactly what you're going to do. You've got enough power to do it. But before you get chance, your opponent activates a character who saps some power from you and scuppers all your plans. The key thing to all this, though, and this is why I love the game, is the fact that you will often be in situations where you will not want to attack. And as strange as that sounds, this is because when you attack, if you do damage, you're giving your opponent power. The more power, the more effects they can do, generally the more powerful the attacks they can do, so you don't want your opponent to have power. But you can't stop them from having power if you attack them, because you gain power from damage dealt from enemy effects. So you have to not only be aware of your power, but also be aware of your opponent's power. There can often be situations where you think, well, I'll just do this attack. It's unlikely to do much, but it might just chip away one or two damage from your opponent's character. Great, it's not going to daze them. It's not going to have a, have a massive impact, but on the face of it, that seems like a great idea. But let's say, for example, that character is Thor, currently sat on two power because he gets two power from the power phase. His two superpowers both cost three power. If you ignore Thor and he's got six health on his healthy side, so you need to do quite a bit in order to daze him anyway, then he can't use those two superpowers because he doesn't have the power. He would have to do potentially a strike first, and he might not be in range to strike. Strike is his builder. But you could do maybe one, two damage against him. That would then give him enough power to be able to do his either of his two superpowers, which could then make things worse for you. So throughout the game, you're having to make the decision. And often, which I find odd, but I love about the game, is the best thing to do is to do nothing. It's to not to attack your opponent. And there are often times where you might just move somebody, you might just use a superpower to interact with something, but not actually attack your opponent. And that, at times, is often the best thing to do. So, again, it's all about making decisions. It's around resource management and making sure you understand 
how power will affect not just yourself, but your opponent. And that's why to me power is one of the most important elements of the game. For those using the MCP mod within Tabletop Simulator, TTS, quick thing around power, if you use the tiles to put your character cards on, then the tiles are very good at keeping the power tracked for you. And there is also an auto power phase button at the bottom. If you click on that, that automatically works out how much power you get in the power phase. It's worth checking because it doesn't always get it 100% right with some of the special conditions like poison, etc. But again, it's a very useful way to quickly do the power phase. Thanks for listening. Hopefully that was helpful and we'll delve into more elements of the game in future episodes if you want to check us out on the larger podcast we are tales of crisis and also please check out the tales of war games website where you will find all our podcasts from both the tales of sigma and the tales of crisis families if you want to catch me i am on both twitter and instagram at martin swaffield till next time thank you and good night 